Retail Relief, brought to you by BRC Learning. Hi, I'm Jags Dahili. Welcome to Retail Relief. This podcast is here to empower retailers with the knowledge, hints and tips to get through this chaotic time. Today, we are joined by two exciting individuals who aim to inspire leaders to raise their level of consciousness and make a positive difference in the world. They have formed the Neuro Mindfulness Institute. They deliver transformational leadership programs based on the latest neuroscience research, ancient mindfulness wisdom and leadership practices. Introducing Veronica Brejan and Arnold Complainville. Welcome Veronica and Arnold, how are you both? Thank you so much, Jax, for inviting us. We are well preparing for starting the year with lots of energy. I'm Veronica. I'm Arno. Thank you, Jax. And thank you for the beautiful introduction. (laughs) You're very welcome. Well, please take a moment to introduce yourselves in a bit more detail to to our retailers. Okay, I'll just share a few words about us. We've created Neuro Mindfulness Institute four years ago. So both me and Arno are the co-founders. I'm Romanian, he's French. Uh, we changed perspectives and moved from corporate jobs to being external facilitators now. So as you said, in Neuro Mindfulness Institute, we deliver leadership programs, webinars, retreats, online courses based on neuroscience and mindfulness. And this is our first podcast. We had many friends trying to convince us to, to try the podcast, but Jax, you've succeeded. So thank you for the challenge. <laughs> very welcome. Well, thank you both for being on the call. Yeah, so my corporate career was in HR. I love people. My last two roles were in retail. So uh, I worked in London. I was the global head of talent for Vodafone. And then in Paris, where I took over the chief people officer for Pizza Hut for Europe. Uh, Arno has a different background. He has a scientific background with a PhD in molecular biology. And this is giving us a lot of knowledge and credibility to bring neuroscience in the business space. And after that, he continued his career in consulting. So he worked for BCG. And and then he moved into um, having executive roles in healthcare industry. Thank you. As as you've understood, I'm the I'm the geek of the the duo. So yeah, actually, our vision is really to bring together neuroscience, ancient wisdom, and also a business experience to inspire leaders to raise their level of consciousness and make a positive difference in the world for people and planet. We're both in our early early 40s. We live in Paris, but we actually work um, pretty much all across Europe. That's brilliant to hear. We're so excited to hear from you both as the experts, what individuals can do to help increase the feeling of human connection. And that's the topic that we'll be looking at today. So this horrendous pandemic has forced many people into isolation or having the feeling of isolation in their own home or workplace. The retail landscape is currently split into two polar opposites. Some businesses, such as supermarkets, are thriving as they feed the nation. Others are struggling as they may not have been deemed as essential. For those that may be working shifts or are struggling with isolation, could you explain scientifically what may cause that feeling? Sure. We actually resonate very well with the two populations that you're describing, the two polar opposites that you're describing, because we encounter really those two polar opposites with many of our clients. 
and we, we see people who are overwhelmed. We notice that especially people with young kids, you know, during lockdowns tend to be overwhelmed because they have to juggle between managing the family, um, with kids at home, work, um, a lot of multitasking at work, and also managing with a lot of stress in, in, this, in this situation. And on the other hand, in the, in the first lockdown, there were some people who were kind of okay. They were thinking, okay, we're taking time to read, to um, learn new things, taking time for ourselves. But then in the second one, we noticed that people tend to be much more lonely. You know, it, it's too long now. So sometimes people, uh, if they're at home and sometimes, you know, they're, the, the places where they work are, are just closed. So sometimes they even have nothing to do and they do feel disconnected. Uh, but then, of course, they, they worry about the future. There's a lot of anxiety. So people really have different experiences of, of what we're living. And I think that's really important to understand that we're not living the same thing. But overall, I think there are three factors that can explain the way people might feel during these unprecedented times. The first one is stress and anxiety. The second one is a higher need for multitasking. And the third one is an altered interaction with other people. So let me just explain a little bit each of those. First on the stress and anxiety side, we are bombarded with bad news all day long. You know, when you, when you, open, um, when you open your news feed, um, you have the, the death count, you have the number of cases every day. And our brain is designed to scan for threats and negative events. So we pay much more attention to negative news than to positive news. Um, that's the way it's designed by evolution, because when we were cavemen, you know, it was very important to scan for threats and predators for survival. So our brain is designed to keep us safe, not happy. Absolutely. That's why we say that uh, positive emotions whisper while negative emotions scream. The second, fact, the second thing is that fear is highly contagious. So whenever I see someone who is stressed or who is in fear, I absorb immediately some of that fear and some of that stress. It's enough just to see his facial expression to absorb some of that fear. So we have a sort of collective level of fear, which is very high these days. And all of this puts us in a sort of chronic stress. The body's perfectly designed to manage shortened stress. You know, when we have to run away from a predator, when our caveman has to run away from a predator, that's perfectly fine. The problem is when stress becomes chronic and that's really exhausting for the body and mind. The second aspect is that there's really a high need for multitasking. That's particularly true for parents who have kids at home. Um, and, you know, during the lockdown, we don't really separate any more working space from home, from leisure and so on. So all of this tends to be blurred. And, and that leads to a lot of multitasking. The big problem is that our brain actually cannot multitask. We can only switch from one task to the other. If we have two brain hemispheres, we can switch from one task to another one. But if we try to switch between three tasks, we just cannot because we have only two brain hemispheres. It, it takes more energy. We, we can, but with much more energy. So all of this, the attempt to multitask or actually to task switch is very, very tiring for the brain. And it leads us to make mistakes. And of course, the more mistakes we make, the more we have to work to make up for our mistakes. And that also leads to a very poor mood overall. 
And the third aspect I would like to talk about is the interaction with, with other people. When we interact with other people, when we speak with other people, we don't only exchange ideas. Actually, the most important thing that we exchange is emotions. And we do that mostly through sharing facial expression and eye contact. When we resort to digital communication, the closest thing to real human contact is a video call. But it's not the same thing because it doesn't really allow for a real eye contact. Um, there's a distance with the camera. You know, I'm looking at um, the eyes of the other person, but I'm not really looking straight in the eyes on the screen. And it, the brain notices unconsciously that difference and it just feels weird for it. And when we do speak with people physically, then, you know, we wear a mask for a very good reason most of the time. So we do miss a lot of those facial expressions. And it's also constantly telling our brain that something is wrong in our communication. So really as a consequence of those three things, um, we are very likely these days to feel stressed, mentally exhausted, and also disconnected from other people. And all of this ultimately might lead to mental health disorders such as depression, anxiety, and burnout. Those are really soaring everywhere in the world. And I think now the sanitary crisis will give rise to a mental health crisis. We really have to pay attention to that. On top of all this, Jags, as you mentioned, some of our listeners are in the stores, in the front line. So those of you facing customers every day are adding an extra layer of stress by exposing yourselves to the risk of taking the virus. Also, customers are less patient, anxious, distracted. So for the frontline employees, it's impossible not to be overwhelmed sometimes by customers' emotions. So when I joined Pizza Hut seven years ago as an HR director for Europe, I spent the first weeks working in stores. So I was in the restaurant serving, preparing pizza, so being there in the front line. And I realized that retail is really tough. You need a lot of resilience and positive mindset to go through each day. And now facing customers every day was extremely exhausting. Being at service with a smile is not as easy as it seems. Especially for frontline employees, it's important to have a recharging routine something that they do every day, some me time, to remember to take care of themselves in order to be able to serve others. I love that recharging routine. Can you give me an example of what maybe what your recharging routine is right now? Well, I can, I can share mine. It's, uh, it's unique for each of us. So I think uh, we don't have a recipe that, that works well for everyone. That's why we, we like to share what's working for us. For me, what's working really well is meditation and the particular type of meditation that's called loving kindness. Uh, it's very simple. There are lots of scripts, so you can just find a voice you like on, on YouTube and you can try it. You can give it a try. Uh, also, another practice that I introduced in my life um, many years ago, and I keep it daily, it takes 30 seconds every day, and it's amazing. It's gratitude. Uh, cultivating daily gratitude has huge benefits for our health, for our mood, for our connection with other people. So it's it's a tiny practice that can, you know, bring us so much. Yeah, in my case, it's quite different. What, what I love doing is breathing exercises. Uh, you know, whenever I feel a bit overwhelmed after a meeting or after a task and I have to jump to another video call, for example, uh, I'm going to take a few minutes to take a few deep breaths. Uh, you know, counting four on inhale, eight on exhale with lengthening the, lengthening the exhale compared to, to the inhale. 
I've been practicing that for over a decade. It's, you know, it's my daily routine. It's the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning. For me, it's working great. Taking a few deep breaths uh, is an amazing way to recharge during the day and also to focus all my energy at the beginning of the day. Well, one thing that worked for me in the first lockdown when it was impossible to meditate, to breathe and to do all these mindfulness practices was reading. Because for reading, I didn't need a lot of um, emotional power, if you want. So it, I, I noticed that that was my uh, recovery mode in the first lockdown. I love it. From meditation to breathing. I think breathing is so underrated. You, you do this so naturally that a lot of people aren't conscious about how much it can make a difference. In this increasingly digital world, the craving for human connection feels like it's at an all-time high. Why do you think human connection is so important in this current climate? That, that's a great question. And human connection is important at any time, but more these days, because we are designed to be social animals. Our biology is like this. If you, uh, some of you might remember, there, there's a famous study from Harvard. It's the longest study in the history. It's 70, it took 75 years. And they looked at what makes people happy, healthy, and, you know, live longer. And uh, the result was, uh, was amazing. There are lots of interesting insights if you want to read about the study. But the, the main one that I remember is the fact that relationships are the most important factor of well-being. Uh, happiness and longevity and it's not the number of, of relationships we have but it's the quality of the relationships it's not the number of facebook friends no it's not the number <laughs> of social media friends <laughs> yeah actually human connection all comes down to a hormone called oxytocin it's been nicknamed the love hormone because it's it's actually involved in romantic relationships but it's actually involved in all sorts of positive human interaction and what it does is that it gives us a feeling of human connection and it also makes us trust other people and be more generous with, with other people. On the other hand, if we don't have any oxytocin, the effects are isolation is pretty bad for health. It does lead to depression. Um, it does lead to shorter lives. And it's actually the same on health as smoking 15 cigarettes per day or being an alcoholic. So Isolation is really bad for, for health, physical and mental health. And actually these days, the pandemic has mostly two effects that impact on our ability to connect. The first one is that we resort to much more digital communication. So it's not a new thing that digital communication leads to more isolation. And you know, before the lockdown, when I was going to restaurants and I was seeing those families with, you know, everyone was on their phone and they were not even speaking or looking at each other. They were just communicating with someone distant in the digital world. This is quite sad, but that, that's the reality. And that was the reality before the lockdown. We do it quite often as well. So it's not only about the we, other. We it's, try it's not to. Of, yeah, we're hooked to our phones <laughs> and that doesn't, doesn't help us with the connection. We basically carry with, uh, with ourselves all the time a sort of digital pacifier, you know, and it's, it's a way to, to kill time, but it's, it's a pretty, pretty bad habit. Um, and, and all of this, of course, was amplified by the pandemic crisis, uh, first of all, because of social distancing, but also because, you know, when we're stressed, we tend to use that digital pacifier more. So actually, the best gift we can offer these days to someone is full presence because it's becoming more scarce. We'll, we'll come back to this a bit later. 
Um, the, the second thing is the effect of stress. We talked about oxytocin, you know, the hormone that makes us connect with other people and trust other people. Well, the thing is, oxytocin is very strongly inhibited by stress hormones. So what that means is that it's much harder to trust other people and feel connected to them if we're stressed. So in this context, if we do not consciously cultivate human connections, it will just not happen naturally. It, it used to, it used to be, you know, during our casual talks at the coffee machine or on other occasions. So we need to consciously do something about it to make up for our lack of human connection. So many interesting points, especially around oxytocin and the link to even the amount of cigarettes it could link to how how loneliness and isolation can have the same equivalence of that. So what can people who have been asked to isolate or self-isolate do to help them feel connected when digital fatigue is increasing and the idea of another video call can bring people to stop connecting at this moment? We see, we see more and more uh, in our webinars or in our trainings with different clients from all around the world, uh, the fact that people don't put the camera on anymore. And we're not picky about it. We want to see faces. We love to have a human connection through visual, you know, uh, even if it's technology, but, but seeing the faces. But more and more people don't, don't put the camera on and we understand that. Well, in this case, uh, if there is no choice, you know, you can always dial in with just audio. But the, the best thing to do is probably from time to time to connect with oneself. So if we cannot reach out to other people, if we if we cannot, uh, we, we don't have the energy to, to reach out and connect, maybe we just take uh, some time, the me time, the time for recharging uh, for ourselves. And that can be in different forms. It can be meditation, breathing exercises. It can be simply opening the window and a few times per day and, and breathing fresh air, cultivating gratitude, reading, learning is a really powerful one. It's very helpful. The growth mindset and learning new skills, listening to podcasts, to audiobooks, you know, something that doesn't require visual um, um, stimulation. stimulation. So if, if we feel the need to connect, uh, yeah, give, giving a phone call is also an option. And uh, if not, taking time to recharge to, you know, get more energy before we start the Zoom calls next day. Yeah, it's really important to manage our energy along the day. That's, I think that's, that's a key thing. And it's, um, we need to have energy to connect with other people. It brings energy, but it can be draining, mostly, mostly for introverts, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you're talking about. I know what, I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> for me, it's very recharging. So if I, if I don't feel great, you know, I pick up the phone, call, call my best friend from Australia or my friends from London. And, you know, that, that's really getting me, uh, helping me get a lot of energy. If I don't feel well, I go breathing in the in the bedroom. Yeah, or, or making some slides <laughs> on neuroscience. <laughs> so fantastic. So so that's a really interesting point, actually. So if you're unable to connect with others or you don't have the energy for maybe a video call or even an audio call, take that time to connect with yourself. There's some really great ways to do that with with the points that Veronica that you've just mentioned so thank you so much for that and Arnold with your with your breathing and creating slides and scientific <laughs> content um so what works for you Jags what works for you 
So for me, I think you're right. I think at the moment, over the last couple of years, I've taken the journey with meditation. And, you know, people hear the word meditation and it may be overused at the moment, but it it has really helped me connect with myself. So from different breathing techniques for different times of the day. So there's different types of meditations I use and there's a meditation app which has thousands of free meditations on it. And all I need to do at that moment is search for how I'm feeling and there's a meditation link to that and I love that so when I'm anxious when I'm excited when I'm happy when I'm feeling gratitude or even when I'm close to those dark places near depression there's definitely something out there within that app that has always helped me and I think that's that's what we that's something that the digital world has helped everyone with is being able to find those resources a lot easier and it's an it's a lot more affordable there's youtube meditations out there that people could be using on a daily basis so so there are resources out there i i love that it's so available right now and i wouldn't be here without this digital world um in the same mindset that i am currently so so thank you for asking veronica um so i guess so, so I guess moving on to, so for those on the front line, so you were talking about, you know, face-to-face, so people either who are in stores or delivering food or in warehouses, how can they increase the feeling of connection with those they work with without taking away from what they bring to their day-to-day responsibilities? That, that's a very good question. And, and in this context, for sure, it's not, uh, it's not an easy one. So I think the one thing they can do is really to offer full presence and, and actually genuine listening to other people with, with care. But what's happening is that, you know, on the one hand, our rational mind knows that there's a very good reason for social distancing, masks, and, and all these rules. But our emotional mind, which is mostly unconscious, is torn between two drives. One is avoiding the threat. The other one is fulfilling our human connection needs. As we said, we all have a negativity bias. So by default, our brain will be, will be driven towards avoiding the threat. So we do need conscious effort to drive it towards human connection. And as we said before, full presence is really a rare gift. It's becoming rarer and rarer because of digital technologies. Because of our digital pacifier, we tend to have a lower span of attention. And and that shows in conversations. You know, we tend to have a very distracted listening. So in the best case, you know, when someone is speaking and we're listening to this this someone, um, we tend to think of the the next smart thing we're going to say, you know, to respond to what he or she's saying. Uh, in the worst case, we're actually thinking of something completely different. You know, what I'm going to cook tonight, uh, my shopping list, and so on. Usually for you, Arno, it's what you're going to cook tonight. Yeah, usually that's <laughs> that, that, that's the case for me. So, I mean, none of this is, is full presence, full listening. Um, what we need to do is actually be fully present for the person and offer space to share feelings. Um, these days, you know, we, we tend to have a lot on our hearts. Uh, And we don't necessarily have a space to share those feelings, to share what we have uh, deep in ourselves. So when we do that, when we offer space to share our feelings, we activate what scientists call the tend and befriend response. It's very simple. It just means reaching out to a friend and and, and talking with, with a genuine talk and genuine listening. 
And what this does is that it leads to the production of oxytocin, oxytocin again. And as we know, oxytocin makes us feel connected, but what it also does is that it inhibits stress. It's very powerful at inhibits stress. So it's really important to connect meaningfully with other people and maybe to create a space for everyone in the team to share, to be heard. Um, you know, when, when people have team meetings, maybe uh, they can ask uh, people to share how they feel today, um, what are the main challenges. That will help a lot to create real, genuine human connection. Thank you for that. So what key steps can individuals implement to increase the feeling of human connection in their day-to-day life? It might be various for, for each of us, but there's one thing that we actually recommend. We need to consciously create opportunities to exchange and to offer listening and care and to connect. I, you know, I even have a, uh, in my diary when to call my grandma or when to call some dear friends, because if we don't put it in our schedule, especially for those of us working, uh, jumping from one Zoom meeting to another for 10, 12 hours a day, uh, and we have more and more clients telling us that if we don't schedule the time for us, the time for us to connect with dear ones, sometimes it's just not happening during the week naturally. So scheduling regular calls with friends to share each other's feelings and struggles and, you know, just to have this space of connection. Uh, also mentoring someone. So sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with, with someone can also very be very helpful and, and fulfilling. And contributing to any cause that make you feel um, that you're helping others. That's, that's something that we can still do, even if it's tough. Even in tough time, we can still think of how we can support others and, you know, uh, that are more in need. So if human connection is hard to establish because of social distancing rules, connecting with a higher purpose is an excellent way to feel useful and, and therefore connected. And I guess my last sort of couple of questions. So we're getting to the point where I would love to hear from you individually about what has increased your feeling of human connection during this pandemic? Well, that's that's a very good question. Actually, the, the first lockdown was was pretty challenging for us. We, we decided- With all the mindfulness tools, yeah. with all the 10 <laughs> years of meditation and breathing and, and courses and everything, it was really tough. Yeah, there's a limit to, to those. So we, we acknowledge, we do acknowledge that. We, we decided to slow down on, on business and really focus on, on our family. And it's been quite tough, mostly because we were in lockdown with um, my parents. My dad is, is severely ill. And, um, you know, we were also with my aunt, who's 95. And my mom is kind of taking care of both. She's very stressed because she's 80, <laughs> she's 80 and she's, she's wow. very stressed to, to, to deal with uh, the whole family ecosystem. So mindfulness practices helped us to stay somehow afloat. Although I have to admit that, to be honest, they were not really enough all the time. Now, during the summer, it, it was a very different situation. We were in a much better place and we wanted to bring something useful to the world. You know, again, connecting with a higher purpose. So we did achieve a digital transformation. We were not at all online before. We were doing mostly trainings in the room. Um, so we created some webinars that we offered to companies. And we also put together all our content, all our experience and our knowledge into creating um, a self-paced online course for coaches, trainers, and leaders who want to deepen their knowledge in neuroscience and mindfulness. 
we had never done anything like this before. Um, so it actually gave us a sense of fulfillment and higher purpose because it, it allowed us to connect with, with this purpose at a much bigger scale than what we were doing before in the training room. And it also gave us a clear vision of how we can adapt to the new context and, and keep bringing value to our clients in the new world. In a way, uh, like Arno said, it was really tough and it helped us uh, connect much more with our clients. We had lots of projects this autumn and what participants said that it's not only the science that we share, it's also the real life examples and the fact that we share what we experience in our life. And I think for me, one of the most powerful lessons for, from this year was the lesson of compassion and self-compassion. And this year was really tough for almost everyone I know, regardless of age, country, social status, skin color, and, and so on. So we do have a lot of friends who lost their jobs, or we have friends and clients who lost people dear to them. And most of our friends with young kids were struggling to balance work and family while those with older children are worried of the impact of this pandemic year on, on their mental health. So I think sometimes the simple fact that we acknowledge this common pain, the common humanity, can bring us a lot of wisdom and balance and connection. And like Carlos said earlier, if there is nothing else you can do, offering your full presence and asking how you can help might be much more powerful than, than you think. And the famous line, I like to, to quote the famous line from Avatar movie, you know, I see you, I'm here for you, I truly see you, becomes, you know, for me, it's the biggest gift that someone can offer these days. Although I don't remember how to say this in the, la no, the no. Navi language no, anymore. No, 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 no. <laughs> you don't have to say it in words, actually. That's the, that's the beauty, you know, just being truly there for someone is, is a true gift. I love that, especially linking it to Avatar of all <laughs> things in this world. <laughs> all our family is uh, Avatar fans. We are Avatar fans, yeah. <laughs> You've inspired me to try and watch that again. I think it yeah. makes me so emotional, that film does. So I think by the end of it, I'm blubbering because you see the, you know, the, the horrific parts of humanity in that film, as well as, you know, the, the greatness that we could be. So... So, yeah, I guess linking to the last pieces. So now, you know, you've mentioned high purpose, you you started new projects, you gained new skills and experiences through this lockdown. You've looked at self-compassion a lot more. Do you have any advice that you can give to people who are currently struggling? Yeah, personally, I think what's what's really important is to get ready for the, the new normal and I want to insist on the new normal, actually, because I really think that the post-pandemic world will not look the same as the pre-pandemic one. And well, maybe for the better on some aspects, we'll see that. <laughs> I hope for the better on some aspects. So I think it's really counterproductive to try to get back to the way it was before. And I think we all need to try to detach from our idea of what the old, old world was to stop focusing on our worries and fears and to project ourselves in the post-pandemic world to actually seize opportunity and succeed in a transformation. So this is all a big lesson of detachment. And I think my, my final word is gratitude. It's something that I promised to myself that I want to bring to the world. And every time I speak, I talk about gratitude. I, I started the, the practice of daily gratitude eight years ago when I had a big corporate job in London and I was very close to a burnout or maybe I was even in a burnout. At that time, it was 
the awareness around burnout was very low. So since then, I make sure I have a daily routine of reflecting, even if it's half a minute or a very short time of all the blessings and all the gifts that life gave me. And even if in the toughest times, you can still find something to be thankful for. So my piece of advice is to make gratitude part of your life, to start the day, to start a project, to start the year with acknowledging the good. That's really helpful to counteract the negativity bias. What are you grateful for today, Veronica, if you don't mind sharing? Um, I'm grateful for doing this podcast, actually, because I'm resistant to change when it comes to transitioning to online. I was resisting to doing an online course two years ago, to doing webinars, to doing podcasts. And I need, you know, I need a, a good challenger to come and inspire me and challenge me to, to move forward. So today I'm very grateful for, for your invitation, Jax, to, to share our knowledge and our experience in this format. And likewise, I'm actually grateful that you managed to convince Veronica <laughs> to give it a try. <laughs> I, I love I love trying new things, but yeah, I know you just give him a challenge. He's gonna jump on it and then ask what what it is. <laughs> so, well, look, thank you, thank you so much, Veronica and Arnold, for 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 your time, your energy. We are honoured to have you as part of this episode. So, thank you again. So, what fantastic takeaways for our retailers from the brain being designed to keep us from safety and not happy to a recharging routine from connecting with oneself over others when digital fatigue kicks in to avoiding a negativity bias by consciously adjusting our focus. Thank you for the wealth of topics we have covered. So if you have enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe so you are notified when a new episode is posted. Share this podcast with your fellow retailers and colleagues to spread the word because knowledge is power.